Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right, guys, what is going on today? We're going to be talking about two different topics and we're going to do sort of a double show for everybody this Friday. And I hope that you guys can either maybe listen to this all the way through because there are going to be a lot of shared themes or you guys could break this up and treat it into two parts. Now, the main topic that we are going to be touching base on today is this concept of change and adaptation. And then the second part is going to be a response to an article written by Deuce Jim that I came across this week. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I thought that doing a little bit of a reflection and reading that out to you guys and kind of going through some of my thoughts as I read it would be kind of a fun way for us to maybe have this conversation and discussion about change on a bigger level inside of just the fitness and the health and the functional medicine industry generally. So first, uh, let's start by talking about just change. And I think change and adaptation is really what we are in the business of, what this podcast is about. And I think change ultimately is the most important thing for us to work on getting comfortable with. And change is inherently uncomfortable, right? So we, the, the, one of the original phrases of CrossFit was getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that is a trained, learned skill, It is something that you actively have to put yourself in, live in this bath of uncomfortability and challenge and struggle and adversity and learn how to deal with it and learn how to accept it and then ultimately learn how to look forward to it. And so what we're going to talk about this today is in the light of an athlete and this concept of following versus leading. And the big difference between leaders and followers, between elite and average, is this idea of constantly changing. And if we use just the CrossFit Games as an example, the way that I always thought about this was, if you followed Rich Froning's programming, you were never ever going to be able to be even near as good as him, for a lot of reasons. Because if you followed that programming, your full day would at most, at best, be just checking the block of what he had done. Probably better, probably faster, probably heavier than you. The other thing is you're doing this retroactively. So he's already done this. He's already creatively thought of a new way to train and is already adapting and moving forward with his training. And you're doing it after the fact. So you're always going to live behind him. And other athletes figured this out and had this conversation all the time. Scott Pancheck's and Matt Frazier's and some of these bigger names now figured out this concept of if I am going to be a leader, if I'm going to be elite, if I'm going to be better than the best, then I need to adapt and I need to change and I need to be doing something different than what they are doing, than what the average or what the status quo is. And when we see this in training, generally, this is the idea of training is it is adaptation. And what I find interesting a lot about CrossFitters generally, if we're going to use that that term to denote somebody who kind of does CrossFit in the way that they think of CrossFit is a lot of times CrossFitters are actually adverse to change. 
And what's really interesting to me is how many people will send us an email or look into coming into our facility, a known elite level creative facility that is always adapting and changing and trying new things. And they want it to be their old, outdated version of what they think of as CrossFit. And they're unwilling sometimes to even try something different or try something new. And what's so interesting about that is because they choose that, they are limited in their ability to ever advance beyond, to ever be better than, to to ever go above and do something truly unique and creative and advance to a level that they won't ever be able to advance to because they want to keep doing things the way that they've always done things. And they want to do things the way that they've always done things because it's comfortable, because it's expected, because you can count on it. And if you think about any athlete in any endeavor, right, imagine just growth generally, Imagine you're a world-class pianist or you're Lance Armstrong. If your training doesn't advance and evolve every single day, every single week, every single month, every single cycle, every single year, if it doesn't advance and change, if it doesn't learn from its previous history, if it doesn't grow and develop, then you're limited to only being as good as you currently are. And we know that age has basically a negative effect to zero. And so all throughout our advancement, our development, we have to constantly be looking at tweaking, adjusting, changing, adding, subtracting, challenging in new and different ways. And if we're not looking at that, then we are stuck. And some people like stuck because stuck is comfortable. Again, stuck is something you can bank on. Stuck is something that is there and always the same. And the thing that's always scared the shit out of me, something that I've never wanted to be about is imagine being that guy at the high school reunion. Somebody comes up to and has a five or 10 minute conversation. It's like, oh man, you haven't changed at all. That to me is just a nightmare scenario. What a put down that would be. Imagine going through your life and imagine five years or 10 years go by or even one year go by and you are not an advanced, better, more sophisticated, more intelligent, more wise, stronger, more formidable. You know, you're eating better. You've got more of it figured out. Imagine if each year goes by and you aren't better than the year previous. That to me is the ultimate upset, not living to our potential. Understanding that change and adaptation is available to us at all times in every medium. You can always challenge yourself to do the uncomfortable, to do the hard thing, to take the hard path. It's always an available option to us. And if we take it and if we do it and if we challenge ourselves and if we get uncomfortable, if we have the tough conversation, if we read the book, if we listen to the podcast, if we take the time to meditate, if we work on new and challenging different training methodologies, if we listen to different people, if we hear what they have to say, if we accept them for who they are. If we have that challenge of our own way of thinking and being, 
then we are just free and open to truly adapt and evolve and change. But here's why that's hard is in that comfort is where a lot of people just live and they die and they just stay there and they want to stay there. And they, it feels good to go to the same party every year. And it feels good to keep tailgating the same way every year and keep going to the, doing the same things with the same people in the same place and the same workouts year in and year out with no adaptation and no involvement. That feels good because it's consistent and you never have to get out of your comfort zone to do that. You never have to try that new thing. And there's a lot of people that just go so far out of their way to just ever avoid that little discomfort, to ever avoid that little change. And they limit themselves. And it is the same. And for some people, that's going to work and it's going to work great. But for people who want to be elite, for people who want to be leaders, for people who want to grow, for people who want to wake up a year from now and be like, I am a better version of who I am. I am a better version of what I do. And I am a better version of a family person, a husband, a father, just a human being. And I'm more in touch and in tune with my emotions, with my feeling, with my chemical composition, with my raw animalistic nature. I have better capabilities. I'm healthier. If you want to wake up and you want more of that, you're going to be judged entirely by your ability to adapt, by your ability to try the new, by your ability to stop doing things the way that you have been doing them forever, to stop doing the comfortable and to start doing the better, to start doing the different, to start trying to change and adapt. And it's really hard and really scary when you're older. And so if you guys are in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and you guys are listening to this, it is harder to change because you have more years of those habits, more years of that comfort built up. And this is, you know, on a really small level, this always leads me back to thinking about my dad and his breakfast routine. He's a very routine oriented man. And it took a really long time. Like we were working as a nutrition. He was doing so well. He was losing weight. He was just crushing it. He was doing, this was his big goal after retirement was to really focus in on his health and wellness. And he did, he got so far outside of his comfort zone. He started training and working out harder than he ever had. He started working as his nutrition. I was so proud of him. And you saw it. It started to change him as a person. He became happier and more easygoing. And it was awesome. It was great to watch. I loved it. But there's this one little piece of change that he just was hanging on to forever. And it was his cereal for breakfast and his orange juice and his coffee. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, And it was just something, you know, he had just banked on it. He'd done it for so many years. It was just the way it was his comfort food. It was his comfort time. He looked forward to it every day. But there was a change that was possible and it was better. 
And so I always just tried to shine light on it. My mom tried to shine light on it and we just tried to slowly just work. And I think now over time, my guess is he probably still does it from time to time. He still probably has that breakfast, that comfort food. Like we all go back there at some point, right? Uh, Maria and I, every now and again, if we're like, you know, having a, a hankering for some cheat foods, we'll go back to like our favorite cereal. And so I'll get some like frosted mini wheats or honey nut Cheerios and, uh, and just have a, have a small box of those. And yes, I said box. If you guys don't know, I eat a lot and, um, and so you'll go back into those comfort foods or for me, it's like Velveeta shells and cheese is just like, oh, it's such a comfort food. Whenever I was like, you know, sick or in those dog days of winter, my mom would make us uh, Velveeta shells and cheese, mac and cheese for dinner and just so, so good. And so we all have those little comforts, right? We all have that little thing that makes us feel warm and makes us feel good. And going back to that from time to time can feel good. It can be welcome, right? But understanding that there is better, if there is better, if we can see better, if it is possible, then we have to understand that there is value there. There's value in making that choice. There's value in having that conversation, in trying that new thing, in getting out of what feels so normal, so comfortable, so just steady. There's value in just being outside of that for whatever reason, even if it doesn't work for you, even if you don't like it, even if you go and you try and you're just like, nope, that's not it. (laughs) But you did the hard thing. You tried the thing that other people would have balked at or not tried. And in that way, you now have honed that skill of not being afraid to try, not being afraid to change. And we've seen this obviously inside the gym, we've made changes, right? And some are coronavirus related and some are just because we think it is a better, more evolved way to train. And I'm a firm believer in this. And listen, you guys, if you're a part of friendship, there is evolutions and I sit and I spend hours, hours, 10, 15, 20 hours every week studying the industry, paying attention to what gyms are doing, what the top training minds are thinking, what different models are successful, how they're working, why they're working. What are we seeing in our gym? That's Where are people not progressing? Where are we having struggle points? Where are their injuries? Why are we not able to be successful with nutrition? How could this be better? Everything all the time is on the chopping block and it makes it really hard for the coaches and the people in our company to stay up with the change. It's uncomfortable. The easy answer would just be to keep doing the same classes with the same coaches and the same stuff that we do all the time. That's the easy way out. It's so comfortable. It was on autopilot. You could just stick there forever and it worked and people liked it, but there's better. There's better out there. And we can't be afraid to go out and seek improvement and seek development and try and just lean into that discomfort and lean into that challenge of that. It's hard, but that's the point. And that's where we want to be. We have to be accepting of change. We have to be wanting and willing to change. Like we have to be able to go out and go and get it whenever those opportunities arise for us. And so this is something that I've started now to try to pay attention to when we start to look at the fitness industry generally. And this is going to transition us into, you know, part two of this, which is I think a huge part of our problem right now within the fitness industry is people are giving up and they're not 
trying to adapt and change. They are trying to, let's just say people please. And so I'm going to read this uh, article that Deuce Jim wrote and Deuce Jim is a gym not too dissimilar from friendship in terms of it used to be a CrossFit gym and started as a CrossFit gym. And like a lot of the really successful CrossFit gyms, they moved on from the CrossFit brand and they found a better, more improved way because again, they were looking to adapt and change and take the great positive things that are working really well for their business and do more of that. But what you find is that there's a lot of CrossFit gyms that are unwilling to work, grow, develop, change, improve in any way. And their membership sort of ends up embodying that, right? They want things to just stay the same and be the same year after year after year. And so development, all that stuff starts to become a problem. So Deuce Gym has sort of moved on and they've started to create their own model and they've started to offer franchises. But this is a little bit of a commentary on how the fitness industry is adopting and evolving and changing And so the title of this is called Dabble, How the Fitness Industry Fails and Gets Rich Doing It. So this is going to be a little bit of a reactive piece. And if you guys have never seen this before, I'm basically going to uh, read the article to you. I'm also going to post the link in the show notes so you can read it yourself if you want. And then as I'm reading through, I might pause, I might stop and uh, give a little bit of commentary and then uh, continue on. All right. So here we go. The results are in. The first tech startup company of the decade to earn a billion dollar valuation has passed the 10 figure threshold. Its name? ClassPass. It's important to mention that the intention of this article is to communicate an important universal worldview of health and fitness. Neither I nor Deuce feels or is oppressed by the obvious and impressive success of any other company, including those in the health and wellness space. ClassPass founder Payal Kakad. Kadakia, uh, Kadakia's work is noteworthy and her success is well-deserved. Inside of ClassPass's ability to win the game of entrepreneurship is a peculiar paradox. Fitness has long been an industry with impressive commerce. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, but confusingly unimpressive results. America is annually more obese each year. The theory in practice with the American economy is that it's egalitarian, allegedly. There are exceptions, of course, and it's my view that the very worldview that drives ClassPass's financial success is a self-sealing trap where the consumer doesn't hold the company accountable to delivering remarkable fitness. And it works because the consumer doesn't really want to be held accountable to doing what it takes to get fit. It's a trap that brings profits but prevents the best possible fitness outcomes. The results? We've made billionaires out of the fitness professionals whose service whose services minimize the ability for the population to get fit. So I'm going to pause right there and just on the first couple paragraphs, talk about that a little bit. And this is the thing for me. And uh, this the reason I like this article so much is it's so articulate and kind of getting across some of the thoughts and feelings that I've had towards the fitness industry for a while. And what we see is the most wealthy companies are the ones that are most devoid from real help, real accountability. And I look at help as accountability in the fitness industry now. Certainly, if you know what you're doing, if you grew up and you had a great fitness coach and you had a great instructor and you had healthy parents who ate healthy and did well and you were set up well for success, 
certainly you can go to a Planet Fitness or you can do your own garage gym workouts and you don't need the guidance and accountability. As always, there are self-motivated people everywhere and self-taught people everywhere. And this is the thing is when we start to look at the idea behind the wealthiest people are Planet Fitnesses and Class Passes and Mind Bodies, which is similar to a Class Pass in, in terms of how it's supposed to work, quote unquote. And you guys have access to the app now and you can see that you can Class Pass around to other places. But the problem is, is these these people aren't providing real fitness outcomes. The vast majority, 97 to 99% of all Planet Fitness clients do not come in during the entire month. And they're one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest gym chain in the entire country. And that right there is the problem. I have such a huge problem with that. Like ethically, philosophically, the fact that this company is is out there existing and is allowed to just not be held accountable by the market is insane to me. The market continues to give it money and it continues to grow in valuation month after month after month when it's not providing the results. Statistically, it just doesn't. And even if it does, we're talking about for 1% of 1% of people. And I guarantee that you can go and look at that 1% of people. And there are people who were taught elsewhere, who came in with the background from some other place and are only utilizing it for just raw equipment usage at all. They're not really getting any help. They're just the medium that that person is choosing to use to be successful in their own way. So let's continue on the article. All right. Again, class pass is simply the case study example, not a punching bag of the paradox found in the fitness business, which is built on a premise ripe for lots of commerce and not much healthy, capable bodies. For context, the company and many like it built a model of training that characteristically gets in the way of making people their fittest by tapping into the psychology of the consumer. Nearly all people want to look and feel and or perform better. We know how to do that. We've had the technology for a long time. The reason we don't have better results, however, is because it requires the consumer to willfully choose physical adversity indefinitely. This fact remains true after novelty and motivation wear off. I assume this very fact will make the pursuit of fitness a minority endeavor in our population. In the meantime, charlatans, gimmicks, and companies like ClassPass will profit on the only thing more powerful than the consumer's desire to get fit, which is the consumer's desire to be relinquished of the responsibility to do so. Said differently, no one can blame you for your lack of health if you're trying, even if what you're trying will never actually get you fit. Heck, you can't blame yourself. You've got a gym membership. You spin, you box, you're paying, you're trying, right? But when we're told fitness is confusing, but we're told fitness is confusing and difficult in a code that sometimes just can't be cracked and we believe it. It's a convenient thing to believe anyway, because if fitness was simple, which it is, then consumers would have no one to blame but themselves. And we can't have that. So we let ClassPass have our money each month and then they put few, which basically means and you're let off the hook. ClassPass and concepts like it discount the service of fitness professionals and remove the responsibility of the student to commit to the training. Instead, they pay the company a membership that gives limited discounted access to many gyms without committing to any single program. 
This purports the well-to-do act of working out, but misses the oldest, truest fundamental of how training works. Spastically exchanging non-committal compliances of an array of 60-minute fitness classes still isn't in any textbook as a means of driving physical adaptation. Meanwhile, this conveniently aligns with the psychology of the consumer that has concerns about training being difficult and desired results being at the end of training that is more mundane and endless than they'd like it to be. And they put a couple things in there like difficult it is, endless it is. This approach not so conveniently removes the ability to drive substantial, sustainable, substantial, sustainable fitness adaptation. But hey, at least we're trying. The classic rebuttal to this is some version of this approach being, quote, better than nothing or, quote, a great way to get people started, which, of course, aren't acceptable standards for virtually any other purchase. Imagine the CEO of Toyota saying, here at Toyota, we knowingly sell cars that don't drive. But hey, we're just getting people started. If it doesn't run, it's still better than having no car at all. Have I mentioned that we're number one in the industry? As long as fitness professionals write the permission slip for consumers to skirt the reality of progressive committed training for a monthly fee, some of the richest people in fitness will be those that can't make the greatest impact on the actual fitness of the market. We need leaders to have the courage to tell the marketplace that really developing fitness is both possible and difficult and ultimately create the environment to do it. Perpetuating the notion that men and women can just dabble their way to legitimate health and fitness is doing much more harm than good. Fun fact, the founders of ClassPass first called the company by a different name. The original namesake, Dabble Inc. So that's how the article wraps up. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. And obviously, uh, you know, I get super, super fired up kind of talking about this. But this this concept of basically our our fitness industry is capitulating. And rather than encouraging people to work on the mental practice of real, actual, tangible change. And the article says driving physical adaptation. Right. Real tangible change takes hard work, discipline, focus, intention. It takes some days being mundane. It takes us doing sometimes the same things like eating a healthy breakfast every day, like going and back squatting and going and deadlifting. No, but I deadlifted. We deadlifted last week. We did this last week. Yes. Right. Driving physical adaptation means continuing to put stress and pressure at an increasing amount AKA change to get back to the beginning of this podcast consistently week in and week out over time. And if it doesn't challenge you, then it's not going to change you. And if it's not a weight or a meal or something that is better and an improvement over a previous one, then you can expect the same results or the same body type, the same physical prowess, performance, look, feel, whatever that you've had in the past. And yes, we can maintain and we can, you know, try to stay the same and over a long enough time period, you know, if you go from 30 to 50 and you maintain 100%, that's still something. But if change is available, if adaptation is there for us to take, then we have to be holding each other accountable to this. And this is the thing is the service and the professionals inside of the fitness industry that are actually trying to drive real tangible, 
positive change in our communities, in people, are being swallowed and destroyed. And we're seeing it left and right right now. 23% of small business gyms right now out of business in the last four months. 23% of the small businesses owned and operated by a family just like me and Maria of people who care and who love and who give and who are actively trying to hold people accountable and do their best to real, actual, hard, tangible training are going out of business. And what we're going to be left with is Pelotons and mirrors and class pass and, you know, orange theories and all of these things that don't hold people accountable that don't want to drive any real physical adaptation. They want to just convince consumers that they're doing enough to feel like they're trying. That they can let themselves off the hook because they've got this and they go sometimes and they do some things. But they're not really in the long term changing any real habits. They're not really doing the difficult work. And I thank you guys for listening to this podcast because it means that you're taking the time to do the difficult work. It means you're taking the time to work on yourself. It means you're taking your time to change your mindset and adopt the right mindset for the future to be a better version of yourself in the future. But what we've got to realize in the conversation that we have to start having as a community, as a society, with our friends, with our family, is to sit there and say, you're being let off the hook or maybe a better way of putting it, you're letting yourself off the hook because what you're doing isn't actually changing who you are as a person. And how do you know that? Because if you guys have gone through it yourself, you know how much you've changed. You know that you're a different person. When people see you, when they talk to you, when they recognize you, they're going to say, man, you're different. You've changed the opposite of what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast the opposite of that fear of being the same kid who's exactly the same 20 years later, the same guy who's 30 years down the road and just nothing's changed. Still going to the same game, still doing the same things, still eating the same meals, still drinking the same beer every day, every week, every month just looks the same. I never got out of my comfort zone. I'm letting myself off the hook to change and develop and grow. And when we see this, you know, inside of the gym, we see people all the time. They don't want to listen to a coach. They don't want to listen to a suggestion. They don't want to hear something new. They don't want to hear something that challenges the way that they currently think. They don't want to hear something that might be better for them. And why? Well, because in some way, I understand the challenge of this is you have to admit to yourself that what you did for the last five or 10 years was wrong. And I've had to admit myself that to myself all the time. I will fully admit to you that what I was doing when I was competing in CrossFit was wrong. It was not what was best for me. It was not what was healthy, right? I should have been doing other things. I should have been training a smarter, better way. And there is a better way, but the only thing worse than catching it, realizing it, changing it and making it better is to never, ever even look at, never accept anything different, never look at anything different or just quit entirely. That's what a lot of people choose to do. They don't say, well, how could this be better? Where did I go wrong? What could I improve? Where am I struggling? Where do I hurt? What do I need to do better? Who do I need to talk to? Do I need to get a coach? Do I need to get a doctor? Do I need to get a chiropractor? They don't try to develop. A lot of people just quit. 
Or they just say, well, this is what I know and this is what's comfortable. And so I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep grinding because admitting to myself that what I've been doing is wrong is uncomfortable. I don't like the way that feels. Admitting that we were wrong when we drove up a bunch of credit card debt and not changing our habits so that we can get to financial freedom, so that we can grow true wealth for our friends, our family, and our kids, and just continuing to buy material items on our credit cards Well, that's a surefire way to ensure that you're going to continue to have the same problems that you've been dealing with. It's the same thing with health and fitness. And what's been troubling to me over this time is I see the owners, the coaches, the gyms that are not, to quote this, charlatans and gimmicks. They are not franchises. They are not people who are trying to pull the wool over the consumer's eye to get rich. They're actually really trying to tangibly make real positive change in people. They're not able to survive because there's so many people that are making billionaires out of ClassPass or Peloton or whatever the the in trend is going to be. Orange Theory, great example. It's a huge gimmick. Heart rates don't work like that. Heart rate training doesn't work like that. That's a gimmick and they give you splat points to make you feel like you got a workout in, to make you feel like you were successful. That's not driving real tangible physical adaptation. And I have problems with that. Like I'd be lying if I didn't. And what do people say to me when you have that discussion with them? Let's go down to the second to last paragraph. The classic rebuttal to this is some version of this approach being, quote, better than nothing or, quote, a great way to get people started, which, of course, aren't acceptable standards for virtually any other purchase. And I think that is I think that's it. I think that summarizes it. Where else is it acceptable? What other industry do we allow ourselves to just not go to quality, not make real, you know, tangible, solid change and just accept something that is, quote, better than nothing. So that's always my rebuttal is, yeah, it might be right. Peloton might be better than nothing. Right. But why is better than nothing our standard? Why is that where we're setting the bar for ourselves? Why are we so unwilling to get uncomfortable and unwilling to change, unwilling to have this conversation with people that we have allowed our whole society to get to where it is now? And everything we're struggling with, everything we're struggling with is based around this. The fitness industry has just capitulated, has stopped trying effectively because they're unwilling to do the hard work to sit here and have the conversation for 30 minutes or 40 minutes to sit and look at somebody and say, you should not be doing that. That's not what's best for you. You need to try this or have you tried that? We need to work on your nutrition. I know it's hard. I know it sucks. I get it. They're unwilling to have that conversation. So instead of just working harder to get that to be more mainstream, where more people were like understanding that when you see that Instagram model who just has an incredible you know, muscular fit, beautiful body, you understand that she probably works her ass off. She probably eats unbelievably healthy all day. She does a ridiculous amount of hard work to look like that. And we have that conversation. 
It's not some cleansed diet. It's not some this. It's not some of that. But instead, what we do is these people just capitulate. They they you know, resign themselves to make a buck instead of actually really grinding down to what's actually going to make the real change. So I know I get fired up about this. I'm interested what your guys' thoughts are on it. Um, And I'm interested in really what your guys' conversation is on the thought process of being, quote, better than nothing. Because it's one I hear a lot. And it's one I hear from you guys. It's one I hear from our community. When you have these conversations with people and you're like, well, don't you think they should be doing this? Or I think they should, you know, they should be engaging in lifting some weights, but they need to learn how to lift weights. Well, what weights should they be lifting? Well, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. We should be doing some sort of functional fitness. We should be understanding that like, you know, if based on our age, based on our ability levels, we need to put limitations here and do this. And, and people are like, well, you know, they're just doing uh, this, you know, they're just doing their community centers, you know, class on X, Y, and Z. And you're like, well, that's not, I don't know if that's really going to make the change that that person says they want. Like, I'm, I'm not sure if that's, if they're not working on, who are they working on their nutrition? Well, they're not working on their nutrition and they're just doing, just started this exercise class. And yeah, I know it's not ever, I know it's not great, but it's better than nothing. It's like, man, okay, well, you know, hopefully that's a momentum ball that we can push down the road, but I just don't see it working for America right now. I don't see us going the right direction, right? I see the coronavirus decimating our community because we are unhealthy. You know, I see healthcare as this common debate, this massive, massive debate between Republicans and Democrats and everybody in between healthcare, 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 healthcare. Because we are so unfit, because we are so unhealthy, because we are so adverse to getting uncomfortable. This is it. Like this is the this is what it's all about. Is it all comes back down to how much am I as a coach willing to look at you and tell you that what you're doing is stupid, that you're not doing enough, that you need to do better, that there is better out there, and I think that you should pursue it. Because I believe in you and I believe in your potential and I want you to fulfill that potential. And I want that more than most people want it for themselves. I want to see people fulfill their potential. I want to see people out there kicking ass. I want to see, I want to, I want you to feel what that feels like. I want you to wake up and know what it feels like to have the accomplishment and have the success to go through the grinding hard work to look and feel a certain way that you are so amazingly proud of. I want everybody to go through that. And having these conversations like that is the hard work. That is what coaching is about. That is what owning a fitness facility is about. That is what growth and development is about. Whether we talk about this from a a financial perspective or a health and wellness perspective or just being a better person, human father, whatever. How willing are you to get a little bit uncomfortable and grow? And how willing are you to accept a point of view is not maybe just the comfortable thing that you've always done. That's not just the easy, the gimmick, the quick, easy way out. Like what if instead of looking for the easiest program or the simplest program or the cheapest program from a health and fitness, what if instead we looked for what's the hardest What takes the most commitment? What's going to force me to really work? What if that was our barrier of entry? What if that was our bar? What if that was where we set it? Can you imagine what our country, what our society, what people would look like, what they would feel like, who they would be as a person, the disciplined nature of that individual? 
Can you imagine? Like, think, sit and think about that. That's the future I dream of. That's the future I dream of at the very least for the people in our facility and for their kids and for the families and the people who are actively willing to go out and do those things. That's the future that I dream of. Now, I would love, love, love that to be everybody (laughs) for it to be Columbus or for it to be Ohio or for it to be wherever like the America. Um, but man, it's a big wrecking ball to move. So this is my little way of spreading this message and continuing to spread the message of positive, real, tangible change and hopefully help set your guys' minds on the fact that we want it to be hard. We want it to challenge you. We want to change. We want to have to try new things. We want a coach or a mentor or somebody to say, yeah, that's the point. Like you could do better. You could do more. I believe in you. Why don't you believe in yourself? I believe that you can do that. I've done it. And if I believe that about you, why don't you believe that about you? What's holding you back? Challenge that thought process. Don't allow it to creep in. Don't doubt yourself ever. Not at all. Always believe. So that's sort of my thought process. Uh, I read this today. I got real fired up. And I've been thinking about it all week and I listened to a, uh, <laughs> a YouTube video about change and uh, it just sort of prompted this whole podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys have a great Friday. Talk to you soon.